telling Brother Corey they was on the way back from Birmingham yesterday. And I said, you know, the doctor was saying, well, it, it, it was something, you know, stress-related, something triggered in her body that caused all this, that, and the other, but there's nothing physically wrong, no blockages, no anything. Nothing, nothing wrong there. She's in perfect health. And Brother Corson, you know, I, I just believe that whatever was there, God fixed it on Wednesday night. And I said, well, you know, it don't matter if you get a diagnosis or if you don't. It don't matter if they point to a tumor, a blockage, a bulging disc, whatever. Or if they say, well, you know, there's just no reason for this to be happening. We don't know. Regardless if you if you've got a diagnosis or not, if you know what's wrong or not, it all goes back to the same thing. Jesus is the answer. Can't nobody fix it like him. Amen. I, I was praying in the prayer meeting last night, just walking back and forth, and I was praying for everybody. I, I failed to mention too, Brother Eddie Morris uh, uh, continues to be out with uh, bad back pain, so let's continue to remember him as well, but try to go through my mind and praying for everybody that I know needs a miracle. And uh, I just, you know, sometimes I pray for myself. Sure. I got things that maybe that I've never been diagnosed with that might be wrong. And I just say, hey, Lord, why are you fixing it? There's something on the inside of me working to try to kill me. Yeah. You can fix that too. <laughs> we get to heaven, we'll find out. We'll find out, probably all of us will find out, you know, the devil was trying to kill you, but I wouldn't let him. Yeah. You had a blockage or you had an aneurysm, I wasn't ready for you yet. I just fixed that for you. Thank you Lord. Amen. The Bible said he daily loads us down yes. with benefits. One of the greatest benefits I know is having a great physician who's also the Savior and the Lord of my life. Amen. Well, we talked about... Uh, Sunday, um, God was a God of holiness. And that when you magnified the Lord and brought him into view, what you would see is you would see his holiness. And uh, I just didn't know if I would preach anything else about it because that subject was so big, the Lord told me, he said, it's kind of like uh, if you... Uh, we're needing some, like medicine or something, you have to take it in doses. Every so many hours, you take such and such of a portion, you take it in doses until you've taken all of it. And uh, the Lord said, I can't show you my holiness in, in its fullness because you couldn't, you couldn't take it all in right. in one second or in one just one view and you couldn't, you couldn't grasp it all. Yeah. And the Lord said, as you uh, seek me in prayer, and as you seek me, that I would make you holy as I'm holy, then as you, as you see me in my holiness, I'll show it to you in doses, and you'll, you'll grow in, in holiness. So I just said, I don't know what more I could, I could 
because I felt like God was showing me that everything he is emanates from his holiness. Because God is holy, he, he's love. Because God is holy, he's merciful. Because God is holy, he's gracious. Because God is holy, he's powerful. And I, I just I didn't know what else I could, could say about it, but I, I have continued to seek God. And uh, I think my prayer from now on, in my prayer time, I'm going to be asking God to make me holy as he is holy. And uh, I feel like if I'll do that, that God will allow me to grow in my walk with him, in revelation of who he is, what he desires to do in me tonight. And God spoke to me and told me to preach. On this subject tonight, we're going to read out of Exodus chapter 33, beginning with verse number 14. Exodus chapter number 33, beginning with verse number 14. Want to say I seen uh, Brother David sometimes post a video of the, of the children playing and singing and uh, what a blessing Becca and uh, Ruthie yeah. singing on that video to hear them harmonize and worshiping the Lord together in harmony. I was kind of awestruck and I was like, man, them babies are growing not just in stature but in their in their walk and in their anointing. Uh, with the Lord, so uh, I'm proud of you. Amen. Bless me. Exodus 33, beginning with verse number 14. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. For wherein shall it be known that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. I beseech thee, show me thy glory. I think Moses was asking the same thing that we talked about Sunday for, for an up-close encounter yeah. with the God that spoke to him out of the burning bush. And when God spoke to him out of that burning bush, he said, take your shoes off the ground whereupon thou standest is holy. Yeah. Right. I, I felt like the first thing Moses was made to see about God and to revere about God was his holiness. And then also, as Moses grew in his walk with God, uh, I believe God wanted to reveal more about himself. And it was God that led Moses to cry for, Lord, show me your glory. And I, if we preach Sunday about a God of holiness, I want to preach to you tonight on the God of glory the God of glory. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Father, we pray and ask in the name of Jesus that you would reveal unto us and show us 
your great glory. Father, I thank you for the revelation of your holiness. And I pray, O oh God, and ask for the same revelation as what Moses sought for. God, that you would reveal unto us your glory. The glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Be revealed to every heart in life, because I know, God, you'd reveal that glory to us like you did to John on the Isle of Patmos. We'd never be the same. Hallelujah. Let us see him. Let us hear him. Let us feel his touch. Let us be made like him. Answer every prayer and meet every need in this altar. It's our prayer. We ask it together in Jesus' name. If you love him, would you say amen? Moses was very aware of the need for God's divine guidance and direction concerning he and his people. He said, if thy presence go not with me, then carry us, not up hence. And although God had given him the assurance that his presence would go with him and that he would give him rest, Moses wanted confirmation of that promise by revelation of God's glory. Moses knew the futility of traveling, working, doing, going without the presence of God. He said, Lord, your presence is what, is what marks us and separates us from all the other people groups in the entirety of the whole world. Yeah. You know, a Christian is unique unlike any other person on planet earth. I believe that's what the Bible speaks of when it says we are a peculiar people. What's so peculiar about us? The presence of God in our heart and in our life. That's what separates us from every other people. Every other people group on the planet, most of them I should say that don't fall under the category of atheists, they pray to something or somebody. And none of them has ever felt the presence of he or that that they pray unto. Right. I should say that maybe a Satanist, when they pray unto Satan, that they can actually feel demonic powers and forces. And I do know people that have confessed to me that they've prayed to the devil. I, I still can't figure that. I was a sinner before I got saved. I guess I had enough sense to know not to pray to the devil. But but some people don't, and they have. I, I've heard tales of them being demon-possessed, and they could feel the presence of the, of the devil. But I can tell you the devil's never answered a prayer because it's not within his power to do so. You know, the devil only afflicts, he can't heal. That's right. But God said, I tear down and I build up. That's right. God said, I can afflict somebody, bring them down, and then I can raise them up and heal them. Yeah. Amen. The Lord said he kills and makes a lie. The devil can't do any of that. A Muslim, a Buddhist, any of those other religions, they've never had an answered prayer. They've never felt the nearness of the presence of their God. They've never saw one miracle. Pray diligently 
for God to save or to change an individual's heart, he's never changed their heart. They're, they're, they're the same wicked, carnal person behind the scene and underneath the cover that the most lost and bound sinner is. Only God can save. Only Christ can change. If a man be born again, he's a new creature in Christ Jesus. Only our Lord can do that. So Moses said, your presence is what sets us apart from every other people group on the earth. He also knew that when God was moving among them, that he brings with him all the qualities of his omnipotence, of his power. His presence is not just a mere fancy or an added blessing. His presence is actually a living reality. That's right. If his presence doesn't go with us, then it can't be had. That's right. It can't be seen. It can't be felt. It can't be known outside of the presence of God. His glory makes us invincible because the Lord is with us. Moses was no stranger to the glory of God. God had led Israel with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He understood that when the cloud of glory moved, he had to move with it. And when the cloud of glory remained still, he was to wait underneath the shadow of it. That great pillar of fire by night was a illumination of God's glory, the Bible said, which lighted the tent city of the desert. The cloud by day, which was protection from the enemies of Israel and also from the heat of the desert sun, led them and guided them. Israel was led in the wilderness by the glory of God. And yet Moses said, show me your glory. The church also has to learn to move when the glory moves and remain when the glory stands still. One of the difficulties of our times is that the church often wants to move when the glory wants to remain. And that the church wants to stand still while the glory is moving. But we must move with the flow That's right. of the glory of God if we expect to see God's glory. That's right. what's, what's meant by the glory of God? God is the source and the Lord of glory. That's right. In Ephesians 3 and 16, it says, the glory belongs to him. Amen. And then it says in chapter 1 and verse 17 that he is the father of glory. In 1 Corinthians 2 and 8, Jesus is called the Lord of glory. And the psalmist says that he is the king of glory. In Psalms 24 and verse 7, lift up your heads, O ye gates, be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. That's right. I'm glad he's a king. 
A king is a redeemer. That's the reason Jesus was called a king, because of his power to redeem and purchase. So he is the redeemer of glory. A king is sovereign, and Jesus is the sovereign of all glory. Glory belongs to him like water belongs to the ocean. Glory belongs to him like ice and snow belong in the Arctic. Glory belongs to him just like it belongs to the sun. The glory of God in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for glory was Shekinah. The Shekinah was visualized as a brilliant and a glorious light covered by a cloud that hovered or rested over the holiest place. It was a visible representation, a symbol of the presence of God. There was a manifestation of this cloud when the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord when the tabernacle was completed. The cloud was the robe in which the glory was wrapped, by which it was veiled from mortals being able to see into. But time and time again, when that Shekinah appeared under the people of God, filled the temple, covered the ark, it gave assurance that God was there. God, the king of glory, is in this house. God's glory is also described in Exodus as a devouring fire when the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it for six days. And on the seventh day, God spoke out of the cloud. And he said this in Exodus 24 and 17, the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mount in the eyes of the children of the Lord. It was a terrible sight, one that shook them to their core. Anybody that saw the revealed glory of God or even of Christ in the New Testament, you read it for yourself, they fell on their face as a dead man. You better know what you're asking God to do. When you say, Lord, reveal unto me your glory. He said, no flesh can see me and live. I want to tell you what you're asking God when you ask him, Lord, reveal your glory. Is everything carnal about me? Everything fleshly about me? I want you to kill it. I want it to die. I want to be a spiritual man. I want to be a man of God. I want to be a holy man. Reveal your glory. Because yeah. no flesh can see the glory of God and live. Ezekiel saw the divine glory as the appearance of brightness, fire, and even a rainbow in audible motion. In Ezekiel 1 and 28, in the priestly writings, the glory appeared as the fiery presence that was associated with Mount Sinai. In the New Testament sense, the glory of God is the revelation of God. It's that which reveals or makes him known. And the synonyms for glory are brightness, brilliance, splendor, and majesty. The burden of this message is for God to reveal himself unto us in power and in glory. To meet the need of the church 
in these times, perilous times, perilous times, demand that the glory of God visit the people of God. Amen. While it's not possible for man to behold the fullness of God's glory in its essence, because he dwells, the Bible said, in the light which no man can approach, we do want to know him in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The day will come when we'll know him in fullness, for we'll be made like him, and we'll see him as he is. The Bible said we'll be satisfied when we awaken his likeness. First John 3 and 2, it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The time will come when the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth as waters cover the sea. Isaiah 35 and verse 6 said, The lame man will leap as a harp, the tongue of the dumb shall sing, waters shall break out in the wilderness and streams in the desert, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away and the glory of the Lord will cover the earth. Hallelujah. You want to know why I want Jesus to come back? That'd be a good reason why right there. The glory of the Lord will cover the earth. The kingdoms of this world are going to become the kingdoms of our God. It's going to be, Washington, D.C. is going to be a glorious place. It ain't right now. But oh, praise God, it's going to be. It's going to be. It's going to be swallowed up in the glory of the Lord. Thank you. Do you know the church is going to be in a glorified state? We're going to be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, mortals going to put on immortality corruptible is going to put on incorruption. Oh, yes, sir. I'm going to be in a glorified state. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. That's a rapture over which the second death hath no power. Do you know at the end of the thousand year millennial reign, Satan is going to be bound for a season. At the end of the millennial reign, those that live through the great tribulation are going to live right into that thousand-year millennial reign. And the Bible said they're going to get to come up to Jerusalem and they're going to get to eat of the tree of life, which is for the healing of the nations. Well, guess what? I ain't going to need to be healed. Why? Because I'm going to be glorified. I'm going to have one of them bodies like Jesus had after he rose from the grave. He just walked through the wall and met with his disciples. Glorified. I'm not going to need healing because I'm not going to get sick and I'm not going to die over which the second death have no power. Eternal life means we're not going to die anymore. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. We which are alive and remain are going to be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord. And there we shall forever be with him. 
going to be a glorious time. Literally. You're going to be in a glorified body. One that's not going to grow old. One that's not going to grow sick. One that's not going to grow weary. Right now you can be, it's possible to get weary with well-doing. And when it's, when you start getting weary with well-doing, your prayer needs to be, Lord, I want to see your glory. You want to know what the glorified state does? It renews you. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. <laughs> they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's what the glory of the Lord does. We need to see the glory. That's right. The revelation of his glory needs to return to the church. The time is going to come when it's going to Feel the entire earth, but until then, it needs to feel the entire church, I can promise you. That's right. The manifestation of his glory, when that's revealed to a heart, a life, or a church as a whole, it should produce praise. Yeah. The manifestation of his glory should produce praise. Right. Yeah. I tell you, if you see the glory of God, nobody's going to have to track you down saying, we miss you around here. You're going to want to be in the presence of God. And you're going to take the place of seraphims and angels. Scoot over, boys. Y'all been doing this long enough. When John was able to see, he said, some of the things I saw were unlawful for me to write. But he said, the things that you can write, what you see, write it down. And he said, I saw a number which nobody can number. Right. Ten thousands times ten thousands and yeah. thousands and thousands heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power and praise belongs to our God. Yeah. Hallelujah to God. He said they sung a new song. Angels can't sing amazing grace. Seraphims can't sing, uh, praise God, uh, I've been, uh, I've been, uh, I, I'm free. Thank God I'm free, free, free from this world of sin. That's a new song. It's a song of the redeemed. It's a song of the ransomed. It's a song of them that's been glorified. The manifestation of his glory produces praise in all that see it and behold it and receive of it. The host of heaven behold his divine glory and are prompted to unceasing, never ending adoration and praise of a holy God. It should be the same with us when we enter into his glory. When the glory of the Lord filled the temple and the fire came down, and the glory of the Lord was upon the house. They bowed their faces to the ground and praised the Lord. The Bible said that when the glory of the Lord filled the house, that the ministers were unable to minister. That's right. When the glory of the Lord filled the house where they were sitting on the day of Pentecost, the people responded with praise. The Bible said, speaking the wonderful works of God. Yeah. God is praised. As being holy. 
as being almighty. The language of the seraphim is that of a song of praise. The book of Revelation reveals the living creatures giving glory and honor and thanks to him that sit upon the throne. It says in Revelation 4 and 8, they have no rest day and night saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Human plans are often interrupted when the glory of the Lord is revealed. In the temple, the priests could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory had filled the Lord's house in 2 Chronicles 7 and 2. The glory of God appeared in such fashion that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud in chapter 5 and 14. All of our plans and programs must be tailored to fit him and his glory. If the glory of God comes down, he wants to change the agenda. He wants to change the schedule. If the glory of the Lord comes down, you might not get home to midnight. Yeah. I want to know if that's the case. Is your prayer still going to be, show me your glory? Oh. Amen. I don't know anybody sit down to watch a ball game when it goes into extra innings or overtime, they're going to say, it's my bedtime, turn it off. I don't care what time they got to be at work in the morning. They're going to watch the whole thing. Hallelujah. Oh, brother, that's good. It's sure good preaching in Alabama. Amen. Where sports rules the day. Amen. But that ain't my Lord. You understand me? That is not my Lord. And whether it uh, gets played or it don't get played, <laughs> I want to see the glory of God. I never have too much care what time I get out of church uh, on Sunday because, uh, you know, they got a game playing when you get out of church. I never have considered what time I'm going to be getting out tonight or any other night. What week the schedule revival or what week not the schedule revival? Come on. Why? Because my heart cries for the glory of God. I want to see a move of God. I want to see the salvation of souls. I want the sick to be healed. I want my children to be full of the Holy Ghost. That demands the glory of God. Everything else has to be put down. When you talk about God's glory, all of our plans and programs have to be custom tailored to his will and be subject to his glory. It was not plans and programs that brought us to where we are now. It was the glory of God Almighty. It's the glory of God that's going to see us through to the rapture of the church. Beholding his glory should be a humbling experience. When he saw the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God, Ezekiel fell upon his face. Isaiah felt as if he was undone when he saw the Lord sitting upon the throne. Daniel saw the Lord clothed in linen with loins girded with fine gold. His body also was like beryl and his face as the appearance of lightning. 
his eyes as lamps of fire, his arms and his feet in color to polished brass, and the voice of the words of him that spake was like the voice of a multitude in Daniel 10 and 6. After the vision of this heavenly glory, he said, no strength remained in me. John the Revelator, who had leaned upon the bosom of the Lord, saw the revelation of this same majesty and fell at his feet as dead. The sight of glory reveals to us our own inferiority as compared to the high and lofty one that inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, who dwells in a high and holy place. He is glorious, the Bible said, in his holiness. His holiness then is a part of his glory. The sight of his glory makes one conscious of his sin. Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Peter said, depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. That's when he met Jesus face to face. Job said, I've heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eyes seeth thee. Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. The manifestation of his glory should produce a godly fear and reverence. It bothers me to live in a generation that has no godly fear and reverence. I I remember years ago, this is our 20th year, and I, I was looking at some statistics today in America. Anywhere over the last decade, the averages have fluctuated from 3,500 to 7,800 up and down fluctuation. The number of churches that close in a year in America. I know there's probably a number that start up within that same year, but there's that many that shut down. That would mean anywhere from 75 to 100 church congregations shut the doors and cease to be every week in America. We're coming up on 20 years and I was thanking God for it and asking God what is it that's kept the doors open? I know hell's wanted to close close the church down. I know hell's wanting to shut the ministry down. What is it that's kept the doors open, the Lord said, it's my glory. It's my glory. It's the revelation of who I am and what I long to do in the heart of my people. It's a hunger for glory. Should that cease? Should that cease? And there'll be no true worship and praise and there'll be no godly reverence and fear. You walk into a place where there's no godly reverence and fear, there's no glory there. Somebody said, well, every time I come, I just feel guilty. I just feel ashamed. Of what? And why? I feel joy. I feel victory. I feel peace. The peace of God that passes all. I feel 
Like I walked into a safe haven. A a resting place. Like a cold, cool, refreshing glass of water has been given me in the hot desert sand. That's what I feel. Why do you feel ashamed? Why do you feel guilty? Here's a good thing. Repent. Repent. And bow at his feet. Pray and ask for mercy and grace and forgiveness. That shame will leave. That guilt will flee away. I want to tell you where the glory of God is, there ought to be a godly reverence and a fear. I was having a wedding years ago, thinking about, thinking back on 20 years. Wedding. I don't do these anymore. I just don't. People that are not part of our church, tied family members to our church, I ain't no marrying preacher. Hey, I want to get married. Will you marry me and my wife? I just don't do that. They don't come to church. I just, hey, a marriage is a covenant. Right. Not just between a man and a woman, but between them and God. And if you don't live in a covenant relationship with God, they don't even make the preacher sign anymore. A preacher don't even sign a, right. a, a marriage or wedding certificate, whatever they call them, a preacher don't have to sign. They ended that when the government started making the justice of the peace. The court started making them sign off on man marrying man Woman marrying woman, well, they changed the law and just said nobody has to sign. You just go get the marriage license and you marry. A preacher don't even have to marry you. You don't have to say no vows. You just go get the license, mail that baby off, and you marry. I just tell them, hey, if y'all not interested in living for God, you don't need me. Just go get your license and you'll be married. All the pageantry, and the showboating, if, it, if you're not going to live for God, it's not real. Right. I don't do them anymore. It just saves me the burden and the heartache. We was doing it, unsaved, unchurched family. And in walked two girls. They both in their early 20s just bebopping in, both of them. One held the door open for the other, and both of them had a cigarette in their hand. They just bebopping in. I'm standing right there at the double door. They smoking right all the way up to the sanctuary door. I said, whoop! And they said, what? I said, no smoking in here. And they said, well, why not? I said, because this ain't a wedding chapel. This is a house of God. This place don't exist to marry people. This place exists to worship, magnify, praise, and give honor and glory to God. That ain't coming in here. I've said it before. That ain't coming in here. We're not going to dance and party down in here. We don't play bingo in here. Yeah. I ain't even playing secular music. Yeah. Yeah. It, hey, it's a love song. It's all right. But I'm not playing a song that glorifies the devil right. or glorif- glorifies the flesh. I just ain't going to do it. Amen. Manifestation of his glory ought to produce the fear. I got to finish. I'm meddling now. <laughs> Revelation of his glory produces the fear of the Lord and the fear of the Lord, the Bible says, the beginning of wisdom. In the New Testament church, the scripture often records that fear came upon them. Acts 2 
and verse 43, Acts 5 and 11, great fear came upon all of them. When the glory of the Lord is present, sinners should tremble, saints should stand in awe, and fearfulness should overwhelm the hypocrite. Hearts should be pricked with conviction. Congregations should stand in reverence to the glory of God. One of the great difficulties in the Christian I don't know how to say it, round today, Christian circles today, is that there's so little fear of God among people in the world. People just want to bebop right, yeah. up into the presence of God and wonder why you're the stick in the mud. Why you want to stop the bebop. I'm not trying to stop the bebop. I'm trying to let you know you're in the presence of a thrice holy God. He's the king of glory. People don't even, people wouldn't come around the president. They wouldn't come around a governor or a senator with just a oh, casual, how you do, atmosphere. They would respect. They would revere. They would, they would show honor, give honor where honor is due. You walk into a courthouse, I promise you, when the judge walks in, he or she will stop the bebop. I've been in there. Come in, all rise. Judge come in, everybody sits down. They say, everybody in this house, if you've got a cell phone in your pocket, you better put it on silent or turn it off. If it goes off, you're out. You're out of my courtroom. You know what they're doing? They're demanding reverence. This is my house. It's a house where I do my business. Where I oversee the law, the, the, the laws of the land, and I'm here to govern and do business, and you're going to give reverence. You're going to pay due respect you're going to be in submission to that. How much more Amen. to the king yes. of glory? Yes, sir. The king yes. of glory. Amen. I wonder if we gave the king of glory his due respect, his due honor, that when it come time for him to do business, sinners would get saved. Sick people would get well. And our children would be filled with the Holy Ghost. But we got to reverence the glory. I got to, man, ain't no way I'm finished. Curse if you'll come help me. I got three more points I just can't finish. The manifestation of his glory should inspire and produce holy living. Uh-oh, he's going to get back on holiness. Throughout the word of God, the words glory and holiness are synonymous. They're mentioned together so many times. Exodus 29 and 43, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified, that means made holy, by my glory. 
the tabernacle was made holy by his glory. In the glory of God, his holiness is manifested. Notice that it's during the moments of great manifestation and of highest inspiration that the servants of the Lord speak of his holiness. In Psalms 97 and verse 12, Rejoice in the Lord, ye righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. It's during the times of high spiritual elevation and joy that God's holiness can be fully apprehended. Exodus 15, 11 says, For he is glorious in holiness. God is a holy God who lives and dwells in a holy place and who requires his people to be holy because he's holy. God is glorified in the holiness of his people. You know that when you desire to be holy because he's holy, that that gives glory unto God. That glorifies our Lord. True holiness always gives all glory to God. Living to the glory of God shows his holiness. When the glory of the Lord comes to the church, there will be a return to holiness. And holy living will again occupy the pulpit and the pew. We cannot live in the presence of his glory without making a personal commitment to being holy as he is holy. When Isaiah saw the Lord sitting upon the throne high and lifted up and his train filled the temple, he confessed his sin, his reason for doing so. For mine eyes had seen the king, the Lord of hosts. The angel of the Lord took a live coal that he had taken off the altar and laid it upon his mouth and his iniquity was purged and his sins taken away. The glory produces a transformation in a man. When Moses saw the burning bush in Midian, he was aware that it was a manifestation of God's holiness. For God spoke in the ground whereupon he stood was holy. When the disciples saw the glory of the Lord on the Mount of Transfiguration, they were made conscious of his holiness because the glory made the mount a holy mount. When Jacob saw a vision of angels ascending and descending on a ladder, he realized that he was in the presence of a holy God. He said in Genesis 28 and 17, this is none other but the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Immediately the Bible said he vowed a vow to pay his tithe and to walk in the way of peace, in the way of holiness. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Amen. You know the gospel, 1 Timothy 1 and 11, the gospel's called the glorious gospel of our blessed God. The gospel is defined as giving the glory, is the giving of the glory of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, and I'm closing with this, verses 5 and 6, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness 
hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's what the gospel does. It gives us the light of the knowledge of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the glory of God. He said, when you see me, you see the Father. So when you pray the prayer, Lord, show me your glory, you can literally ask, Father, would you give me the revelation that you gave John? Would you let me see him face to face? In seeing him, may I be conformed to be like him. I'm telling you, no greater or higher prayer could you ever pray than to be like Jesus. Lord, make me like him. Conform me to his image. I'm, I'm the clay and you're the potter. God, make me in likeness unto him, a vessel for your glory, for your honor, for your praise. Would you meet me in this altar tonight? Let's make that our prayer. Hallelujah to God. Thank you, Jesus.